Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. Welcome back to another episode of Conflicts, the podcast. It is me, Laura, slash Lulu, and I am joined by Nick. Say hey, Nick. What's up? I love it. And our resident dad joke, Rich. Say hey, Rich. Hey, Rich. Every time, every time. Okay, in 2021, if there is one thing we have learned, it is that you cannot say whatever you want without consequences. And in the past, in TV and movies, sometimes people have said things that do not age well. So today, we're going to talk about things that have not stood the test of time. I'm going to start us off by talking about Looney Tunes. <laughs> that is right. Vintage cartoons from your childhood. And I was feeling nostalgic kind of towards the beginning of quarantine. And there's a lot of them on YouTube. And so I was like, I was like cleaning or something. I was like, I'll put these on in the background. Okay. I started with some Tom and Jerry, not technically Looney Tunes blatantly racist mm -hmm. many episodes of tom and jerry then then i switched to regular looney tunes we had characters running around with cigarettes hanging out of their mouth there were guns going off left right and center they were shooting each other all of the time there was there were knives there were bomb explosions like it is no wonder People want to talk about, well, kids these days don't know classics. Kids these days don't know classics because the classics apparently can kill you. Yeah, you got to look back at the Tar Babies. Oh, God, it's oh. so problematic. So problematic. And I don't consider myself a snowflake. But even I was like, I can't watch this. It's too uncomfortable. It's too uncomfortable. It's too uncomfortable. Hmm. Uh, you know, I haven't watched a Looney Tunes in a very long time. Don't recommend. Not like, gonna I lie. I think the all, the last Looney Tunes I watched, and I actually laughed my ass off, was uh, whenever Bugs was in the. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh thinking about it. <laughs> uh, uh, and I watched it on YouTube, but I didn't watch anything after that. Was whenever he. Uh, I don't even know what monster he is, but the red the big furry red guy. guy that's kind of heart shaped. Yeah, yeah. but the, that wasn't it. Shit. The Tasmanian Devil. No, no uh, it's, he's only. In I know a what you're talking about. He was in that episode too, but this is whenever Dracula was in the castle. And yeah. he goes, Abracadabra! And the thing fell, the brick fell back on him and squished him. He goes, like, Hogos! And Hogos! it's so. And then he grows and he's like, Abracadabra! And then he goes into the bat and he But I, like, I love that I absolutely know which one you're talking about. And it used to be so, like, ingrained in us, like, that you knew episodes of, like, there's an episode of Tom and Jerry where, like, they pull a thing out of the freezer and freeze the kitchen floor and they're, like, ice skating around. And, like, those used to be, like, a reference that, like, you knew the same things. Now, well, first of all, they tried to bring Tom and Jerry back. Apparently, I, I came across a YouTube ad. Yeah, his, the movie's it, out. Like I watched movie, like 10 minutes of it. And I was and like, that, that looks so well, cringy. That's been the thing, you know, because they brought back Animaniacs uh, and a few other of these old cartoons have kind of come back. Animaniacs is different, though. Animaniacs, I feel like, holds the, up. They had the slapstick like Looney Tunes did. But it was intelligent slapstick? Yeah. Yeah. 
And they, I feel like it holds up. Well, th this goes back to, because they did the same thing uh, that others have done where they spotlighted. You know, you could look at the, the cultural problems. And one of the ones that always comes up in con casual conversation, because uh, Nick did it earlier, is like, what do you mean, you people? It's like, what do you mean, you people? Because, you know, that that's a great example of, you know, here was Robert Downey Jr. in blackface, which is considered oh, a huge faux yeah. pas. Oh, yeah. But it is somehow yet socially acceptable. And the reason it is, is because he is spotlighting the problem by being the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? He, he's showing how much this is, uh, that the entire movie is about racism. There is a way... I don't even know if I can say this properly without it, because I don't know if it'll sound racist, but I'll say it and we can just edit it if not. There is a way, like Robert Downey Jr. did in that movie, to spotlight racism with racism, mm -hmm. and it still yes. be funny. Well, I, 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 no. I almost said classy, because it's not classy, well, but it, it's still it is. funny. It's called satire. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point where you're, you're, you're pointing it out by doing the thing in a ridiculous fashion. And it's almost like South Park does it, and they're very good at it. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, there, it's, there's no way that show would ever get fucking on now. Like, if it was no. never on... But uh, there's also an element of South Park that I think does it just to push the envelope. Oh, 100 percent. But they still sometimes will do it for satire. See, I've gotten myself in trouble because you guys know that like my default mode is sarcasm. Yeah. And I've gotten so good at the deadpan delivery of sarcasm. People who don't know me really well don't realize they're it's sarcasm. Like, that was a dick. Yeah, they're like, that was rude what he just said. And I'm like, yeah, because I was, you know, I, I will do that because I have a lot of female friends. And, I just and they will, you're from Chicago. And then, <laughs> but, like something will Shut happen. Up, Arkansas. And I'll be like, oh, hey, look, she just came out of the kitchen from where she belongs. You know, I'll, I'll say yeah. something like that. And I, because they know I don't mean it. They know it, it's meant to be sarcasm and I'm ribbing them a little bit, especially, uh, you know, I have some female friends who, are pretty uh, active, I guess, and you say as as feminists. So I, I do that to get a, get a little bit of a rise out of them just for funsies because they they know me. But sometimes in mixed company, I've had a uh, I've had some some a problems. <gasps> yeah, yeah, because I, I've said things and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, these people don't know me well enough. I can't get away they with that. They don't know that that's a yeah. joke. Mm -hmm. You know, I notice I bring up South Park a lot, and I need to stop because it's like it's a fucking awesome show in my own opinion, but like. I've never seen an episode of South Park like For ever. you, if you watched it, you'd probably be like, you are so fucking stupid. I, like, I tried when I was younger and it was cool. I, like, I've probably seen like 10 minutes of an episode and I was like, why does that guy keep dying? This is stupid. I don't like it. Yeah. And why is that turd talking? I remember South Park back before it was South Park. I remember the actual individual file that was sent around in the early, like early days. Serial. It was yeah. called Soxmas. Yeah. Uh, because the file name was S-O-X-mas. Because it was Spirit of Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the original one that they made where it was Jesus versus Santa Claus about which one was the real meaning of Christmas. And in the end, <laughs> Jesus and Santa Claus have an epic SmackDown style yeah, battle that royale. Was a, that was a Christmas card that some producer mm -hmm. paid them to make. And I yeah, did not know that, any of this was a That's thing. how South Park became a thing. And I remember the day when somebody said, like, hey, did you hear those guys got like a show deal and are going to make a cartoon out of this? And we thought... First of all, A, how in the hell can you make a cartoon out of this and get away with it? And that was really when Comedy Central became a thing. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's the only reason Comedy Central was a thing, mm -hmm. because stand-up specials that they would run were not that funny. Mm. Okay, so you were talking about South Park, because it's like, it was intentionally controversial, mm -hmm. right? That was the thing. So here's another beloved, I would say significantly more beloved TV series that does not hold up well. Um, anyone who is to watch Friends for the first time in 2021... Ooh, there are some 
cringy moments in that show. It is blatantly homophobic. It is blatantly fat phobic. It is passively racist because in the entire series of the show, there were no black people until like season seven, legitimately, like even background players. Aisha Tyler had like a run on the show and dated one of the people. And beyond that, there may have been a cameo or two, all white people really and that entire show if it came on in 2021 would get roasted on the internet well what's funny is you know to me the uh, i laugh at the questions about friends like how do these people afford these apartments it was their grandmother's apartment it was rent control i know that because my sister i hate you a little bit right now all right well i guess that answers that question not you (laughs) but because you know it seems like they hardly ever worked uh, but, oh, for sure. They were in that coffee shop all the damn right. time. But it was very much the, the white person show and the fact that, like, you know, because there's no black people in that situation. Yeah, because there's no, <laughs> there's no black people in, in New, New York. York. Like, like, what? <laughs> there, there's only white people in New York? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the biggest melting pot. Is that a racial term? I don't even know. What? Melting pot? Melting pot. It's not racist, if that's what you mean. Right, okay, because like, I've always heard, like, hey, New York City is the biggest melting pot on Earth. Well, no. melting pot isn't necessarily about the, your race as well. It's about your, your cultural heritage. Oh. It's, hey, you know, you have Irish Catholics with Roman Catholics. It's, you have uh, Jewish. See, I just learned something Irish today. Immigrants. I didn't yeah. know. So, okay. That, that's kind of, you know, we were, like I said, recently in Chicago. And once again, you know, you, you're going to have a wider variety of, of ethnicities than you will here in our little hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in my hometown. Mine mine's either. worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually none of our hometown. That's true. <laughs> um, you know, so you, you see that and it's different because, you know, here, if that many people of color were walking around, I, we would notice other people looking at them strangely. Mm-hmm. Whereas, say, you know, in the, those sections, it's just so normal that you, you don't get that look hardly ever. Um, you know, where the the stores there, and we were on Michigan Avenue, so it's a lot of the high-end stores, and nobody thinks twice about the fact that there were people of color in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whereas here, you you know, people immediately go, how can they afford to shop at that store? Yeah. You know, and you'd hear comments like that. Awful passive-aggressive things like that. And what's weird is when people move here, the the reverse happens. Um, it's it's the, the culture shock of almost exclusively Caucasian faces everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. It's something I certainly went through. I would just walk into the mall and look around and be like, why are they all white people? See, and I've thought it before when I hear people make comments, because, you know, I, and I hear comments and even people you kind of associate with to a certain degree, uh, unfortunately so, you know, about the, the amount of color there is in the area. And my first thought is, wait, you have a problem with the amount of color here? Yeah. <laughs> wait, like you've never been anywhere in the world then, have you? Because like, this is nothing. This is, you in the middle of white bread America right here. You know, uh, yes. this just actually made me think because you said the mall. Uh, I watched one of Kevin Smith's old movies. Which one? Uh, I watched Dogma. And then I turned around and watched Mall Rats. I, and then I that, that made me turn around and watch Chasing an old Amy. movie now. I but... know. And then I watched Clerks 1. I went through like a Kevin Smith like, oh, I'm You gonna... went down the rabbit hole, I man. And then when I got to Clerks 2... I was like looking him up on IMDb and I was like, oh, he is planning on making a Clerks 3. I and then I got to Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> and you can tell that he cleaned him, cleaned the act up a little bit yeah. for this one versus his old ones. Which is good. But at the same time, his his what made him Kevin Smith was not there. You know what I'm saying? Does yeah. it, do you follow what I'm saying? I, I do. do you follow he, what I'm saying? A little bit. Little he bit. was a little unabashedly controversial on purpose, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and which is weird because I don't know that I see a lot of racism in his. There's work. not. It's more sexism. But yeah, there's a lot enough. of, there's that and there's a lot of, uh, 
white people saying racial term you know what i mean right yeah. but then in this new movie there's like none of that and i'm like i like that well, yep. kudos to you for uh changing with the mm-hmm. times i like how you are aware self-aware but at the same time there was some there's like a little like the spark the, was missing what's yeah. the best example of um the most recent one uh jay and silent bob where you have the Ben Affleck character who was the writer from Chasing right, Amy. Chasing Amy, yeah. Where he's talking co- about why he shouldn't have been the one to write Chasing Amy. Yeah. And which was funny because Chasing Amy was considered a very progressive movie at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, Such and, a great movie. And was, up, uh, you know, but it, it, it's a great reference to see how things have advanced to see that character talking about why it shouldn't have been him. Uh, I, I think it's a fun little scene. So yeah, Kevin Smith, some of it, you can see the progression and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Well, and what's interesting is that a lot of times the things that don't hold up well, because uh, you use the example of South Park and then Kevin Smith, those were things that were intentionally controversial and those have a tendency to hold up better than mm-hmm. the things that were not intentionally controversial because there is that element of, I am doing this to shock you in hopes of perhaps bringing your attention to this or what have you, when there is intention behind the controversy, it's so much less cringy than mm-hmm. when, say, um, like Lethal Weapon, like the first Lethal Weapon movie has some really cringy scenes in it that don't hold up well that are, I mean, like the personification of the term blatantly homophobic. Like mm-hmm. he he utters the line, there's lesbians in the beginning of the movie that are there for the salacious factor. Like mm-hmm. there's just like, let's put some titties in the beginning of the movie and call them <laughs> lesbians, lethal weapon. It's right at the beginning for like two minutes. And then Mel Gibson has a line about how something along the lines of it's unnatural. Right. Like, it just blatantly in the movie. And that is so much more cringy than a vintage Kevin Smith movie that it was intentionally controversial. Weird, because Mel Gibson, he's so yeah, you know, he's free of controversy. Yeah, he's not at all problematic. He's not at all problematic. Do you want to know something, though? I'm going to say this about Kevin Smith. His comedy uh, made me appreciate, because he was this like little chubby white dude from Jersey. With the hockey jerseys, with yeah. With the hockey jerseys. And he made a movie like Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. Which brought uh, brought a whole new genre. You were right. It's at the time when it came out was very controversial. That brought to me, and from what I remember, maybe the LGBT T Q Q I I plus like plus. We need like cue cards. So at the time when this came out, it was the LGB. So I'm gonna go with that because it was 1995. At the time, they were just called gay. Well, okay. So, but it brought this to light the source material. Yeah. So that was nice. And it was still, and he, to me, his comedy, and this is probably wrong to think about it, but it's the only way that I can survive in the world is to put humor into everything. Because if you make it funny, you killed the hate in it. Oh, that's the entire point of comedy. People lose the point of comedy. Comedy is to bring light to the darkness. And he'll Mm -hmm. use racism or sexuality or anything to light and it's not about the hatred. It's bringing out the the spark of the the comedy in it, which is what it's supposed to be. And it's with it's with conscious. Like he he consciously made those choices. And I think that, that that's come out why. Right? Did yes. I say that? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. he did. And I I like when conscious thought is put behind it because like when we reviewed um, Revenge of the Nerds, like that is the that was polar just opposite. Yeah. That is just blatantly like. Hey, let's make a funny joke about a guy raping a girl yeah. in a bounce house. And it's funny. And everybody just 
oh, <laughs> boys will be boys. No. And there's no conscious thought put behind it. So watching it now, like we mm -hmm. watched that together and I was damn near watching it through my fingers because I could barely stand to look at the TV. Right. And you could say the same thing about Seth Rogen's early comedy too. Seth Rogen, like, uh, mm -hmm. or 40 year old virgin knocked up, like the oh, whole, like, oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you were comparing it to Revenge of the Nerds. And I'm like, I don't remember <clears throat> Seth Rogen getting rapey. You're, no, like, you're seeing a, a progression there. And, you know, this goes back to like the critical theory uh, is life imitating art, art imitating life, or somewhere in between of all of that. You know, with Kevin Smith, you could argue that his body of work is a progression of cultural awareness yeah. in many ways. And maybe it's reflective of his own realization of those things. And I think he's perfectly willing to have that conversation. And I do like that he didn't retcon his stuff, that he just made it better. Yeah. That he didn't go back mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to try to fix the old movie a la like George Lucas. It was just, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to address it in a later movie that this is why this is better. Right. And, and, and But you know what? I can appreciate his art more doing that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. It makes it more accessible, I think, in a way. Okay, so I'm going to pose a question, and I'm going to preface this by saying that we are three Caucasian people sitting around a table, so we understand that our opinions are less valid and are, in a way, moot, but it's our show, and we're the only ones here right now, so we're going to talk about it. So there is a lot of controversy over, especially Quentin Tarantino's earlier work. And I know, Rich, mm -hmm. you're not the hugest Tarantino fan. Oh, no, I am the big Tarantino fan. Was it you, Nick? One of us didn't like it. I'm just, it I'm so-so, but I love Kill Bill. I also love Kill Bill. I'm, I'm a huge Tarantino so fan. The, um, as he, I, he doesn't do it as much in later work. You know, exceptions being like 12 Years a Slave, what have you. But, he um, did that? or no, not, not, not 12 Years a Slave. No, the other one with, it was Leonardo DiCaprio and Jamie Foxx, and I can't think of the name. Oh, Django. Django Unchained. Thank you. Um, they, I think they came out in the same year. Uh, but he throws the N word into like reservoir dogs. Oh, it's everywhere. Those guys sitting around the table in those diners, mm -hmm. like N word this, N word that, N word that, all white guys sitting around the table. And like, there it poses the question okay it, it it is with intention and it is very informative of the characters themselves to let mm -hmm. you know it informed a lot the choice of words that they used in that diner scene at the beginning of reservoir dogs but does a white writer director producer writing for white actors get a pass to use that word in many ways he seems to um, you know, I, I I really hope we can get to the point where that's okay uh, to a certain degree, but I understand why, you know, people might take exception to that. I see. I feel the opposite. I think that we need to get to the point where that's not okay because no white person is ever capable of understanding the power of that word. I have something to say about this. Okay. And I just thought of this. Okay. You're right. It is not right for a white person to be... The way you just said that, like, right. hey, I'm Quentin because you know, I'm a white dude writing it for another white guy. have the history to back up the weight of that word. But I think, and of course, this is just me thinking about it. I don't know. I, again, I'm just a, just a white dude, but this is the way I'm thinking of it. He is setting a story up for some really grotesque people 
And usually those types of grotesque white people that he is telling the story about mm-hmm. say those types of well, things. And that's what I meant yeah. by that dialogue was informative. Like it informed a lot about but who that character was. He might not be like, oh, hey, guess what? I'm super duper racist in real life and I'm getting I away with this. I don't think that he is. But that's it's, why I disagree with you because he's not those characters, he's going to be more familiar with it because those are white people being racist. And who is more familiar with white people being racist than white people who've been around white people being racist? I mean, black people experience the other side of it, but as far as what's casual conversation like amongst racial white people, I've probably been involved in, in those conversations more than than uh, many people who... You know, right. No, I get what they, you're saying. They, they're and, being targeted by the racism. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio actually had trouble in Django. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a Samuel famous... L. Jackson had to take him into another room. And I'm not going to quote what there's Samuel a, L. Jackson said to it. Said there. Because he was like, I can't keep saying this. And Samuel L. Jackson was like, dude, this. And then insert everything that Samuel L. Yeah. L. Jackson just <laughs> said Samuel to L. Jackson him. Says. And said, let's go back in there and <laughs> go to work. Like. But again, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't ever say the N-word to somebody. Right. And none of us yeah. at this table would. And I, you I, know, it's I, not that, that's less the point. And it's more the point of like, because it does, it is so informative in the story. But, at, and and le- the reason I preface this with we're white people, we cannot come up with the answer because we are white people. Right. Exactly. But, that's fair. But it is that interesting dichotomy of, Yes, this is art and it is informative in the art and it builds the characters and the story, especially in something like Django Unchained. Like mm-hmm. that word was crucial to be used in that movie. But at the same time, being written by a white person, do you get a pass just because it's well, art? And see, that's my basic argument. If you're going to say, you know, because he doesn't have that experience. But I, I would say that it's more offensive for him to be writing black people. And the way they would say things, because that's something that he's not going to have the experience with a familiar familiarity with. Mm-hmm. Why writing how white people sound when they talk when they're racist? That's going to be something that's you know more familiar. I, I would argue that it's more familiar to me. I have because we all I, have family members that we've had to deal ab- with. Absolutely, yeah. I've heard what that conversations when there are no black people around mm-hmm. sound like, which is what that and is. Sadly, in that I case. think we all have. Uh, and sometimes even when they are around and they're doing it on purpose. Uh, you know, I've experienced that as well. Mm. So I know what that sounds like more so than, you know, like than, said, a, than a conversation of a family right. of black people so and what that would sound like. That's why I think that it, uh, yeah, my argument would be that he's more qualified for that. But then say like Samuel Jackson's lines and so on and so forth. Is he less qualified there because that experience he wouldn't have had? OK, this is oh, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Nick. Well, go. but then I also have seen television shows. Uh, I actually really love this freaking show. If you haven't watched it, it's called Dear White People. You've talked about it before. I, I haven't Netflix. watched it. It's such a great show. But they even brought up the fact that they're like, oh, they brought up a fact about Quentin Tarantino saying that. And then mm-hmm. they like did the like little staring at the camera thing, like breaking the rules or what's that called? Breaking, breaking the, third, the fourth, fourth wall. wall. And uh, I'm like, oh, well, maybe a lot of people in the black community don't like that. I don't know. I mean, because, again, I'm just a white dude who's seen right. Quentin Tarantino. Movie. Can't tell you that I like them all because I just like Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, really. But that's about it. Uh, I love those movies, though. They're, they're so good. But I don't know. See, I mean. See, the distinction for me is, and I'm going to use another show as an example, even though it's dealing with different issues. Uh, Game of Thrones. Everybody loved Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. But there are some horrible, awful acts. There's numerous racks, acts of, of rape. 
Uh, I oh, mean, I love where you're going with this because it, it ties into my thing. But go. It, the, the violence, just the awfulness of the things that happen in that show. The reason why the show gets away with it is the same reason why I think Tarantino oftentimes gets away with it is because it's not presented as a good thing or an okay thing. Mm-hmm. The people in, in Game of Thrones who do those things are terrible people and it's they, they're the presented that yeah. way and where they're supposed to be awful. Uh, you know, the, the characters that Tarantino has written in many of these, these are not good people. These are not nice people. Mm-hmm. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And they're not presented that way. And I think that's why people like that get away with it a little easier. Uh, but that's not to say that we shouldn't listen to what other people have to say about it and be willing to change. Oh, yeah. that And that right there is the crux of the matter is that, you know, when you're watching your show, Dear White People and Black People bring up the topic of you listen Mm-hmm. to what other people because there is a whole nother side of this that we will never right. know experience or understand and so when the other side of it makes their argument listen exactly and that's where people get lost but i want to bring up something super interesting so there is something called the male gaze g-a-z-e there's the female gaze as well and so you brought up the interesting topic of um you know a white writer Gay, writing di- like G-A-Z-E. Uh, what does this mean? With like eyeballs. Oh, okay, okay. Gaze, okay. I'm thousand gazing at you with my eyeballs. I gazed okay. your direction. Uh, I didn't know if this was another un- like term. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like, no, like, like folks with the X? Yeah. yeah, yeah no. I was like, no. So uh, you brought up the point of a white writer writing for a person of color and not having the full gaze uh, or the full um, scope of what that dialogue is going to look like, because that's not an experience. Um, 99.9% of everything that has ever been written for the media is written by a man. Mm -hmm. So the women that are written, even in by some of the most talented writers, I'll use Aaron Sorkin as an example, the writer of the West wing and some truly amazing plays and movies. Sorkin is known for his poor writing of women because he's a man and what has happened and what has shifted and skewed the male gaze is that men expect women to react the way they do in movies when they are written Mm -hmm. by a man, because you want to know what happens in almost every action movie you have ever seen. Reese Witherspoon has an essay on this. That is amazing. There comes a point in the movie when something has gone down and the female protagonist comes up and asks the question, what do we do next? In any life situation, in any high stakes situation, do you know any woman who does not have a plan for how to deal with what is happening? Oh, I absolutely do. But it's not because they're women. I can name a lot of guys. Some people just aren't good in situations. But I know a lot of women who are amazing and in a crisis in a crisis you find a woman because the woman is going to handle the crisis better than the man it is statistically proven a man is more likely to freak out in a crisis situation but this is what men expect and especially in a romantic situation men expect women to react the way that they do when they're written by men who have no idea what actually happens inside of our brains it's the same thing when uh when they you know they write a scene in a rom-com where somebody meets at a bar that's not how that goes the whole thing of the woman playing aloof and playing hard to get until she lets you know she's interested no woman does that if she's playing aloof and hard to get she doesn't want you 
You know, I uh, I often joke because my early 20s was just like a constant realization that everything I'd been ever told about women was 100% wrong. And most of what I've been told about guys was 100% wrong, too, um, because, you know, they, they there was stuff in the culture that it just gets thrown at you. And yeah. this, this is before the days of the Internet. So, you know, this is just what you learn from all the other guys around you. And I slowly came to this realization, like, it's all bullshit. Everything that was told to me about women is 100% bullshit. And I mean, I could go into some gory details and I won't, but like I, I really did. And it was this weird, awkward couple of years there as I didn't know what to do because as I realized that's all wrong, but then I didn't know what was right. And, uh, you know, of course the answer was well, just hang out with girls and you talk to them like a person is the answer. Yeah. Talk yeah. to them like a person. But see, like, that's the thing we, we are not taught to do that. Yeah. That is not what you were taught to do. And it's not just movies, although it is. Um, it was everything. It was the entire culture. And there was a, yeah, there was quite a. Yeah. And it you, still continues to this day. Uh, off, off mic, I can tell you some stories actually kind of funny and uh, how they, they played out of, of me coming to those realizations. But yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, I don't have any kids yet. Yeah. But uh, if I have a, a daughter or something like that, I'm glad that there are artists out there that can create you know, everybody said, well, Joss Whedon did this with Buffy, but no, he was a dude writing for a female part. Yes, and has now been my, shown to be gross. One of my favorite, uh, two of my favorite writers and directors is Drew Barrymore. Mm -hmm. I loved uh, uh, that Derby movie, Whip It. With, oh, uh, yeah, Elliot the roller Page. derby uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I've that seen that yet. It's several, it's several years it. old. Okay. It came out it was like early recommend 2000s. it. It looks like on a streaming service somewhere. And I love Diablo Cody. Okay. Anything right. that she does, writes and directs, I'm 100% for it. And I think it's great that there are women out there, even the uh, woman who made Wonder Woman. Yeah. Also starring a woman who's a strong female lead. Like, okay, so I 100% back those. I have an etiquette question to pose to Lulu because of something that you guys just said. Okay. Um, what, what, what is the proper etiquette here? Because you referenced Elliot Page. Mm -hmm. um, so this is somebody. So this is trans-related etiquette. Okay. Yes. So, but this is uh, somebody who has done numerous movies before they transition. That so it's how, how still do we a great area. It's still a gray area with Elliot Page because if you are referring to like because it, and this has to do with like union things and so on and so right. forth. Like union-wise, Ellen Page was in the movie Juno. Her right. name. Back was, then was a her. That was their the I don't name want to say legal went name, but... through the credits right. as Ellen Page. So if you are referring to the movie Juno and the cast, it's natural that you would refer to Ellen Page and you might slip up and use female pronouns. It really matters more about the present and making an effort. Mm. This is now right. Elliot Page. This is a he him. Well, I, I said I, Elliot, but that's, no, that's okay. And, but I didn't know if that was correct. And that's why I'm asking work. because I know in general, uh, especially with people who will sometimes present in multiple fashions, uh, you know, I know the etiquette is to refer to them as how they are currently presenting. Mm -hmm. And but. You know, that's why I wonder, like, old movies, is it okay to refer to them as the way they presented at like, that time? If I were talking about, movie? you know, just you continuing using the movie Juno as an example, if I were talking about the movie Juno and the cast of it, mm -hmm. I would say starring, you know, whomever, I don't remember who else was in it, and Elliot Page then referred to as Ellen Page. Okay. Like, that's what I would do, but, you know, I don't think that were Elliot Page standing here, dude's going to be like, 
No. Well, I know the uh, the answer to the question. I know who to ask because um, I, I you know I have some transgendered friends. I should ask them and not necessarily just Lulu. But you tend to be a little more in tune with the community. I try. Uh, I try. So I, I should definitely ask. And them, it's really it's, you, there's uh, a Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner is really the only other like that level of celebrity that has transitioned and that was a whole so different far. can of worms so far so there's not really a precedent um the wachowskis but they're oh, not yeah. They, yeah. yes and they're the sisters but they're not quite that level they're fair enough they're a name that is associated with a film franchise they're not necessarily a name that yeah. is known so they're not quite as well known so really there's not there's not a whole lot of precedent to go off of it's still kind of a gray area and really i think the only answer is to approach it with respect well, and that's and that was you know why I yeah. was asking the question uh, because I hope if I refer to Juno and uh, you know refer to as Ellen Page starring in Juno that they uh, you know that somebody would recognize that I'm just saying that because that's who how they presented at the time. But if they the the consensus was the preference is the other way, then I'm perfectly willing to yeah to to, to say however they prefer. And I um, I have a feeling that there's probably some personal preference involved. I have a feeling that you know. So I, 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 I don't know Elliot Page, so I can't say, but I have a feeling that some people would be more chill about that than others. Probably, uh, you know, and honestly, those are the kind of, we always talk about meeting famous people. And those are like, the, those are the awkward questions I would ask. Cause I always ask the awkward questions, uh, you know, cause I, I just want to know. And, um, I'd probably be the first thing I ever blurted out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that segue that really, we went round the bend on this one, but I'm here for it. Yeah. Started out with things that don't hold up. We end up talking about transgender pronouns. I love it. I'm here for it. So uh, on that note, thanks everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Catch you next time yeah. on Conflicts. Flex, flex, flex. I like that. I like that. <laughs>